I think sometimes it's good to kind of have slip ups to remind you how far that you've come and to not take it for granted so much. podcast you just heard from Jessica Renan, my friend, and the guest on today's episode. But before we get to her very long, very tangential, very fun, informative conversation, first, thank you so much for listening. If you're new, you are listening to Let It Out with me, your host, Katie Delbout. And this is what I do. Every week, I talk to the most fascinating, interesting, cool, people that I can find on the internet and in real life, and we just have these really long, winding, meandering conversations about their life, their work, their experiences, their relationships, and I just air them on the internet so then you can hear them as well and eavesdrop, and it's my favorite thing I do, so thank you for listening. If you're new, welcome, and like I said, before we get into this episode, I'm going to talk for just a little longer. (laughs) Hopefully, I won't ramble too much, but I want to say... I loved this episode. I love Jessica Mernan so much. She's one of my really great friends, and she's someone I trust and look up to. She came on the show for the first time a couple years ago. I also did her podcast, which I love. It's called One Part Podcast, and she has this great movement called One Part Plant, which is really about adding more plants into your diet. That's it. It's as simple as that, and you'll hear much more about it in this episode, so I I don't even want to get into it unless she's telling you about it, which she will in a moment. But Jess is just one of those people that you want to be around, one of those people that, you know, feels like home. She's just so genuine and great, and you'll hear me give her lots of compliments once she's on the podcast with me in a second. But before I get into that conversation, again, thank you for listening. This is my favorite thing that I do, having these conversations, and I'm so grateful that you listen to them because I love having them, like I just said. I'm a little bit more nasally than usual because I have a bit of a cold, but last week's podcast sponsor, actually, they're not even the the sponsor this week, but Genexa Health, I took their cold remedy, and I think it's helping. So if you want to use the discount code still, you can for 15% off your purchases with Genexa. It's KD15 for 15% off, KD15. Anyway, they're not even the sponsor this week, but I really do love all the sponsors that are sponsoring this podcast now. I can't believe it. I, I'm just in awe and they're, they're things that I actually really use and enjoy and love and I'm so grateful. Like I said, grateful I get to do the show and if you like the show and it gives you joy and it makes you feel less alone or it makes you laugh and you want to support the show, the best way to do it is, well, maybe the first best way is to leave a review, review on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Maybe share it with a friend and then the third best way is to support the sponsors because they allow me to keep doing this and I really want to be able to keep doing it and doing it better and bring a more diverse group of interesting, fascinating, unique people on the podcast. Okay, so today's podcast sponsor, I could not be more excited about. It's a new sponsor that maybe you haven't heard of. They're called Charlotte's Web or CW for short and they're this amazing 
supplement that I tried a couple months ago, my friend Pete Holmes, who also, side note, his show Crashing just aired last night, right the night before I'm recording this, and on HBO, it's so good, you guys. Judd Apatow produced it with Pete, and I really think everyone should watch it. Okay, side note. So anyway, Pete and I and his now fiance, they're engaged now, Valerie, were all in Hawaii at the Ram Dust Retreat a couple months ago. And they had the supplement that they really like, and they asked if I wanted to try it, and I did, and I loved it. And cut to a couple months later, I'm using it myself in my life all the time. It's this really great thing that helps you feel more calm, more focused, and really just gives you, yeah, like I said, a sense of calm. It can reduce exercise-induced inflammation, which I know a lot of you will really love, increases focus, which I really love, and how it works is it's a whole plant hemp cannabinoid extract. So there are no psychoactive qualities to this, no side effects, nothing like that. It really just makes you calm. And each bottle of it is expertly crafted and manufactured to be exactly the same. And this is overseen by the Stanley Brothers who made this company. And it's a family company. So it really just ensures premium quality and consistency with every single one of their products. And I'm going to have the Stanley Brothers actually on the podcast to talk about this because, again, I love CW so much. It helps relieve pain if you have like little aches and pains in your body. I love to take it before my period or when I'm on my period. It helps with cramps. And it's just fantastic. You just It's a hemp oil, so it tastes really good. Again, no psychoactive effects of it, nothing like that. And you put it under your tongue well you just put it in your mouth and you just eat it it tastes really good there are two flavors there's a mint chip which val and pete really like that i had in hawaii and then there's an olive oil flavor which i think is my favorite but you know you do you if you like mint maybe go with that one it's just a fantastic product if you guys have any questions about it at all let me know you know come into the facebook group join the facebook group and tell about what you think of the sponsors what you think of cw i would love to chat about it Okay, so if you want to try it and you want to get 10% off when you do, use the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's the coupon code LETITOUT, all together, one word, in caps. I don't know if the caps matter. Maybe just try the caps just in case. Let it out. The name of the podcast is also the coupon code to get 10% off and let them know that I sent you. So, all right. I hope you guys like CW. I hope you guys like this episode with Jess. Jess and I actually are going to be speaking at the same conference not a conference that's conferences are boring it's a festival it's called the good fest it's in philly a lot of you already have your tickets and are coming and i cannot wait to meet you and give hugs but if you don't have your tickets i believe there are still some tickets available and i'm actually having the founders of the good fest jess and kate on the podcast i already recorded it it's a little short mini episode and you guys can hear that i'll put it out separately from this episode just as like a little bonus on Friday of this week. How about that? And you can hear me chat with them about the Good Fest. I can't wait to be there. Jess will be there. Our friend Talia from Party in My Plants, who's done the podcast, will be there. My friend Katie from Women Against Negative Talk, the Balanced Blonde, Jordan Younger, who did the podcast a couple months ago. She's going to be speaking there as well. I think she's actually teaching yoga. Kristen McGee is doing a Pilates class. It's just going to be a day of green juice and good times basically all right i hope i see you guys there enjoy my episode with jess and please check out her book it is now out check out her new podcast the cookbook deal which chronicles how she got this 
amazing cookbook deal and Lena Dunham wrote the foreword and it's beautiful and I'm so proud of her so just get obsessed with Jess I already am I love her she's the most genuine lovely person you'll already hear me gush in the episode about how much I love her but I also love you guys thanks for listening talk to you at the end when I'll tell you who's coming up on the show next week do you have a good holiday yeah I did I did I mean it was it was chill. Like my family, um, actually my family is the opposite of chill. So it was yeah. like, um, so, I get that. but it, we didn't, we didn't really do a lot of stuff. We just like played games, watched the Cavs game. Like we just, um, it was just, it was very chill just because uh, like Deb is still like recovering and mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah. Yeah. How yes. is she doing? She's, um, she's doing good. She just, um, my sister said something so interesting. Are we recording? Because I, I can include this if you want. But she I started just... it, but okay, we cool. can always. No, no, no. This is good. Okay, uh, cool. <laughs> my sister just said something. She said that, sorry, this is like, it makes me emotional to think about it. But she just said that when you see something in the paper or on the news that says, you know, there weren't any deaths, no one died, but 12 people were injured. And you're sort of relieved because you're like, oh, they were only injured, no one died. But sometimes those injuries take years to recover from. And you don't really realize how intense those injuries can be. And I mean, that's the thing with Deb is, I've kind of been in this happy world, I'm getting to that happy world of, oh, she's alive. Like, but she has a very long road of recovery to still go through and it's really painful. And I don't know, it just, it made me think about my sister, just the way that my sister said that when we see injury, we're relieved, but that's not relief for the person that has to go through the recovery of it, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And I've never thought of it like that either. I always feel that relief too, but man, yeah, I, I've had a lot of, Ever since you've been talking about your Deb and to loop people in listening now, um, I would say definitely, hopefully most people listening listen to your podcast, I'm sure anyway, and have kind of followed along with this. But Deb is um, Jess's, you know, one of Jess's parents. And she was in this terrible, terrible accident this summer. And we didn't know if she would make it. And it was it was really intense. And, and then she ended up, you know, it was really miraculous and and she's recovering which is amazing but when you would talk about this story and like the gratitude for your body through that I honestly Jess I still think about it like whenever I'm working out or if I'm doing a tough workout or I think I text you you know when you kept talking about it and and we kind of have this like hashtag in in your community of do it for Deb and I still (laughs) think about it all the time yeah. You know, she had the bus accident, which was really terrible, and then got that flesh-eating bacteria that she just was supposed to die within a day. And then she lived. So we've processed her death twice within three months, and it's just been – I don't know. I think that's why Christmas was crazy this year because, I don't know, so much has changed, but so much hadn't changed. It was it was a interesting time. Yeah. Yeah. Any time where anything is happening with 
when you're watching people in your life have anything happen with their bodies, like, well, what I'm thinking of right now, which is totally, you know, ap- comparing apples to oranges, but right now both neither of my parents can walk because – Oh, my gosh. My dad a couple weeks ago or like a less than a week ago slipped on ice and broke his leg, and so he's – having surgery and tomorrow actually and my mom tore her ACL and her meniscus and her knee is just basically like a mess so she can't walk either so it was it was an interesting experience being home and my parents are are divorced as well and so you know two separate places that I went but neither of them could walk and it just it again hit me I can walk you know like I, I can go to an exercise class I can you know it just was one of those things that I really had gratitude for my body and in a new way that like nothing else gives you you know we talk so much or I talk you know I feel like I'm emoting and feeling my feelings about body image and and you know weight and the way that we look aesthetically all over the internet so much but the thing that really can make me snap out of that quicker than anything is when I'm sick or when I see people in my life, you know, physically not being able to walk or like when I had my kidney stone and I had to have surgery, like all of those things that like you very quickly stop caring at all about aesthetics and you're just grateful for the regular things your body can do for you, you know? But here's my question for you is how do you stay in that gratitude? No idea. Because, okay. <laughs> because it goes real quick. Because <laughs> I think that's the hardest part is that you, you know, when all this stuff happened with Deb, Deb, I was thinking, are you fucking serious? Like, get over yourself. Like, who cares that your tummy looks like that? Who cares that you're not the best in your workout class? Like, you're able to do these things and there's someone that can't. So get over yourself. And I'm, so in that moment, I'm like, yeah. And then the next day, I forget it. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you stay? It's like, it's that feeling that, I don't know if you've ever been a re- in a retreat before, or even just yeah. a good yoga class. And y- you just think, I want to bottle up this feeling <laughs> and somehow be able to live in this continually. But... I mean, or maybe it's not possible to do that because life is life. But sometimes I just wish that I could just not break that, you know? Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you mean. I just had that. I I just went to a retreat in Hawaii and had that, that feeling of like wanting to stay in it forever. But then also, I don't know, I have this thing about stacking joy or stacking fun, like always having something exciting or or something to look forward to even even if it's just a little thing and I think it's kind of the same thing with holding on to good feelings with you know whether it's like what we're talking about with your body or, or with creativity or with whatever I think maybe it's about it's not about trying to stay in it like you said but it's about being able to snap back into it or like you you understand this like I talk a lot about like being in the flow like there are times when I'm in the flow and you know like I'm getting the parking spots and the lights are green and the conversations are good and you know my food tastes good and I'm not hating the way that I look that day and my skin is clear or whatever and then there are days when it's so the opposite and I think getting back into that flow I feel like you can't get back into it you have to like fall back into it does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah it does make sense and I think it's also 
sometimes just acknowledging that you even understand what that feels like or or to to go back to be great being grateful for being able to be grateful i guess because i think you know that retreat that you had in hawaii there's some people in this world right now that would kill for just one free minute that they weren't in pain you know so yeah. I think it's just also feeling grateful for the opportunity to feel grateful, which is a whole other level of, is this, is this getting like really depressing? No, no. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe, but I'm enjoying it. So. <laughs> okay. Cause I just, I just think with everything that's been going on in 2016 with Aleppo and just everything, it's just, yeah. I have just been in this mode for the past couple of weeks of just even trying to be grateful for being grateful. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that's the thing that you can only, that's the only thing you can do. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, yeah. Speaking of being grateful, I'm really grateful for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've honestly been excited about having this conversation for so long. I, I don't know. I wrote down all of these things I wanted to say about you, and I'm getting emotional, like, even thinking about it, because you are so genuine and so – this is going to make you very uncomfortable, I I know, but – My eyes are already wide open. I know. I know. But I just – whatever. I have to say it. You're so genuine, and you're so real, and you're so cool and kind, and you have been such a good – friend to me over the past year and so you've connected me with such great people you've believed in me in a way that many other friends haven't you've had my back in in ways that like have you know you've sent me like really great text messages that you've had my back at moments that I really needed them and you've just been there for me and in so many ways this year and shown up you know and and anyway I'm just I'm really grateful for you and we recorded our the first time you came on this podcast about two years ago and since then you know I've, I've really wanted to have you back and I, I meant to listen to that conversation bef before this one but I ended up not having time and I don't really even remember what we talked about then other than the fact that like I loved you and we talked a lot about adoption and we both teared up at some point <laughs> that's all I well, remember <laughs> well you've been a very good friend to me and I will I will even though that did make me feel embarrassed I will definitely take credit for the fact that I am a really good matchmaker and I have matched you up with some new friends that I feel like are going to be your friends for life you really have. You really I'm a really have. good. I might not be good at everything. I know this, but I'm a good matchmaker. You really have. Yeah, your exact words in the in one instance of this were at your wedding when you're each other's maid of honor. Please thank me and <laughs> your speech that I connected. Don't you. you think it's so important to match people up with new friends? Oh, I 100% think it's important. I feel like it's something that I'm I'm pretty good at too. Like here especially like just I honestly it makes my life easier, but I love bringing together people who don't know each other, but I know and like I'm the link and that's kind of my favorite thing is like getting them together and like watching yes. the vibe. It's like my favorite. Me too. Well, thank you so much for having me back. Oh my gosh. Yeah, thank you so much for for coming back. So one thing that I, I really want to talk to you about, which you you talk about a lot and preparing for this podcast, it, it was perfect. I had some, some long drives ahead of me this week. And so 
I was really excited, like I said, to have you, and I wanted to kind of listen to some other podcasts you've been on. And luckily for me, you'd been on a bunch, and a lot of them were our <laughs> mutual friends podcast. So it was uh-huh. really cool to listen to you um, talk to other people that I loved. I didn't want them to end because I was like, this is just like I'm hanging out with my friends. And it was it was lovely. But anyway, you were on our friend Davida's podcast, and I – have I obviously like I know about endo through you endometriosis and I don't think we I think we maybe touched on it in the last podcast but we we really mm-hmm. hadn't talked about it too much and I actually until Davida's podcast with you hadn't heard you talk about your specific experience with endometriosis mm-hmm. much at all and I didn't know how had impacted your life and exactly like obviously I knew you came to a plant-based lifestyle because of your chronic illness but I didn't really understand the extent of it until that conversation and it was such a watershed moment for me because I don't know if I've told you this Jess but my mom had endo and I um, grew up with that and I saw her through her hysterectomy and like all of these things and just not she didn't know the options available to her with this and it led me in since I listened to that conversation right before going to be with my mom I was able to have this really interesting conversation with my mom about endo that I never would have had and so anyway oh I just, wow yeah it was it spawned spawned a lot and so I would love if you could I feel like it's you know I'm kind of putting pennies in like the Jess Mernan you know like jukebox right now but I would love if you could kind of tell the endometriosis story and and like kind of what your experience was with that and how you found you know your plant-based lifestyle sure so I mean I I just it's so interesting that you asked this because I hold on I'm gonna go in this room it's like gonna be quieter okay while Um, you move I have to say one more thing I it really I couldn't stop thinking about all that you went through with it. And I was going to text you actually, but I was like, oh, let's like hold the text. She's probably really busy. I'm going to be talking to her in a couple of days, but I've been like, it stuck with me. Like I, I've been thinking about it nonstop of, of, you know, again, with a gratitude piece of like being so grateful, you know, thinking about being in chronic pain, like in what you have to deal with your, with your period. I was like on my period. So it was just, I don't know, just a whole new level. <laughs> well, okay. Before I start talking, I'm just curious with you, it's first of all, I think you're fortunate that you don't have endo because a lot of it is past. You're you're not adopted, right? Are you Mm-mm. okay? Because I just didn't know. Um, yeah. Because I mean, a lot of times it definitely is hereditary. So just kind of another thing to be grateful for. Um, yeah. Write that one down in your journal that <laughs> yeah. you didn't get endometriosis, but. When, when you saw your mom experiencing that growing up, was that just something that you thought that's just what happens to her or were you nervous that that would happen to you or did you maybe not put together that it had to do with her period? Yeah, I think I actually heard you mention this as well, uh, that this was something that, that your mom had too, where it was ju- it was just normalized. Like my aunt had a hysterectomy, my mom had a hysterectomy. Uh, it was just kind of like, yep, periods are hard and that's what happens and you just deal with it that way. You know, it wasn't like anything like that. And then for me, I just got my period back maybe um, like a couple months ago. I hadn't had it for years oh, and years right, and years. Right. Uh-huh. And so now... I'm so grateful 
first of all, just every time I have my period, I'm like, rejoice, my body is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And I'm so right. grateful to have it. And right now, knock on wood, they're they're very short. They're very like they're basically like two days. And so I wonder, you know, I mean, not that I would if that will change or how that will, you know, hopefully they they stay this way. But I'm just I feel like I'm kind of a teenager that just got my period for the first time. And I'm kind right. of going, you know, just really I like that it that I'm connected to my body more because mm-hmm. of having a period again. But but yeah, again, grateful. And that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up to my mom and just talk to her about it this time that I spent with her because, you know, I was curious about it and then it being hereditary. Well, and you know, the thing about endometriosis and we'll talk about it because it's funny because last night I was talking to Dan, who's my husband, about how I'm going to be on a lot of podcasts coming up and I'm finding myself, I go through waves of wanting to talk about endo all the time and then I'll have a wave of wanting to talk about my mission of one part plant a lot of times, but I just... If it's a if it's a podcast with women and people want to know about Indo, I can't not talk about it because it's something that so many women have zero ideas that they have. They just have had certain symptoms their whole life and have no clue. So I'm happy to talk about it and I always want to figure out a way to slip it in just because if one woman hears it and is like, oh my God, that's what I have. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so because it, you know, one in 10 women have it, but it takes women an average of 10 years and eight doctors to even get diagnosed with it wow. because the symptoms are things that can always go back to something else. Like most women that have endometriosis have been diagnosed with IBS at some point in their life or have, you know, a small bladder or, a, you know, get UTIs and it's like, oh, well, you just have problems with urinary stuff. It's like people don't connect it to endo, but so many of those problems are endo related and women just don't know it. And I think it's a lot of times the fault of their doctors not taking their symptoms seriously. I think a lot of times it's doctors just not being educated about all the symptoms. So, so yeah, so I also want to point out when you were talking is that, and I'm not saying you have endo, but it's just something to be aware of, is that there are some women that experience one out of 20 of the symptoms. And there's some people that experience 20 out of 20 of the symptoms. So just because you have endo, it doesn't mean that you're going to experience all the same things that someone else does. So, which I didn't even actually know about. And there's a lot of women that don't even really experience very many of the symptoms at all and don't realize that they have it until they're not able to conceive or they have a hard time conceiving. So just to, not to freak you out, but just to put that in your back pocket. Yeah, to be aware, yeah. Yeah, that it's not necessarily, you're not going to maybe experience the symptoms the same way that your mom does. Yeah, Um, so, so yeah. And if, you know, we're talking about endometriosis, like people just know what it is, but 
it's when the similar tissue that's on the lining of your uterus grows onto onto the outside of it and it can grow on other parts of your body like mine i have stage 4 and it had grown on to my liver and you know luckily after 10 years i went to i don't even know how many doctors but it took me over 10 years to get diagnosed someone finally took me seriously and did a a laparoscopy and that's really the only way that you're able to diagnose this is by going through the belly button with a little camera and looking inside and when they went in there she said it was the worst case that she'd ever seen before and it's just like finally (laughs) I'm not crazy (laughs) yeah so yeah it was um it was it was a rough time and you know I will say that after getting diagnosed with endo it's a relief that you're not crazy but then at the same time then I think the work starts and for me you know after I was diagnosed they wanted me to be on different pills and get another surgery and that actually only made me feel worse and I went into a severe depression after I was diagnosed just because I did not deal well with the painkillers and I didn't deal well with the new birth control that they put me on and I became just not myself and it was I don't know I was so happy I was diagnosed but I felt even worse on all of the medicine that they put me on yeah did a question for you during all of this were you, you know, were in pain all the time, trying all these things that that really didn't make you feel like yourself? Were you, had you met your husband at this point or did was he really oh. with you along with this? Oh, yeah. Dan, Dan and I met a very long time ago um, and he has been with me through all of this. And it's actually, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I knew... I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I knew that he was the person I was going to be with forever, literally after a week from meeting him because we were in college and I had started my period and it was a very, very, very brutal one. And it was supposed to be our first date. And I called him and I said, and I'm just a very, maybe too open person, but I, which is probably not attractive at all. Just be like, yo, I can't go on our date because I started my period. (laughs) But I did that and I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I started my period. I can't go. And this is way before I was diagnosed. So I didn't know. And then uh, about a couple hours later, he showed up with every single menu (gasps) from the um, restaurant. (laughs) Every single menu in the restaurant, from every restaurant in the college town that we lived in and he said just choose whatever you want and we'll have the date in your bed and so oh my god and I'm crying (laughs) (laughs) so I sort of knew at that point a he's the nicest person in the world and b he does not care that I'm on my period so this is a person that I would marry Uh so so yeah he's been through it all with me and I think that I think that when I was first diagnosed and I had that surgery and they found they found giant cysts inside of me that there was a chance that they were cancerous. I think that 
I don't know. I think he went, he almost had a little bit of a rougher time going through that because I think he was so scared for me where I remember I was laying in the hospital bed and my mom had called and I told him like, Oh yeah, it was a, it was a Sunday. I was like, I'm going to be at work on Tuesday. And I just remember the nurse kind of looking at me and thinking, no, you're not (laughs) because I just am such a, okay, what's next? We got to get over this. But I think he was actually pretty scared at that time. So yeah, he's been through all of these, all of the periods and and endometriosis stuff with me together. So it's important to find a person in your life that's not grossed out by periods. It just is. I hate it when dudes when you bring up periods and they're like, Oh gosh. And they cover their ears or it's like a joke. Like, well, you can't mention periods around guys. It's like, it's a normal thing that happens to everyone. Like, yeah. I'm not saying I'm down period sex. Like I'm not one of those people that can have sex on my period. Like that's not my thing, but like you should be able to talk about it with your person. Yeah. And I feel like this is good. I'm having this conversation with you too, because I feel like, women kind of have to take the lead on that. Like I noticed myself, like I'm not even letting another person be okay with it because I'm like filtering myself where I should just be like, dude, I'm on my period. This is what's happening. Instead of like, you know, coming up with an excuse or whatever, like we kind of have to take the lead on that as women sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Or yeah. And it's, it's changing our dialogue, especially with, you know, if you have kids or you're around kids, I'm not saying I talked to Sid about my period, but it's changing that dialogue of, oh, well, you're a boy, so I I don't think you'll want to hear about this. It's like, I mean, I, I just think that education is the key, especially for endometriosis and for women's health in general. And what if some guy that is a new boyfriend or someone else, you told him, like, I'm having these symptoms, and he his mom had those symptoms and he could help you get diagnosed. Like I just, I just don't, I think we should just be more open and obviously open to as far as you want to take it. Like I'm not changing my pad in front of my husband. You know what I mean? Or like I said, like period sex, I'm not into, but it's, we just need to be more open. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think that's, like spot on advice I'm remembering this is probably like way too TMI and I'm like as I'm saying this I'm like oh my god I probably shouldn't say this but it's just coming out of me right now as you were talking I was thinking about so there was this time where I was in a public bathroom with my mom as like a I don't know you know how you just like go in the stall with your mom and she must have been obviously on her period and I remember like seeing something where I was too little to have even known what a period was. And I remember like seeing something in the toilet and being like, Mom, there's a lobster in there. <laughs> 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 and my mom was like, I just remember this so vividly. And my mom being like, no, 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 it's, it's not a lobster, but it's okay, whatever. Like she wasn't ready to like explain to me what periods were at that point. And so I was just like walking out of the restaurant being like, there's a lobster in the toilet. <laughs> like, I wonder so if my mom funny. even remembers that. But it just as soon as you were saying that, like that's what I was thinking of. And then I remember like when I did learn about periods and my mom like reading me the American Girl doll book that like explained what about our body or whatever I remember being like mom do you remember that time this is all making sense when I saw the lobster I know what I was seeing now and it all made so much sense so 
That anyway. is so funny. <laughs> yeah, watch out for Sid, you know, seeing a lobster in the toilet. <laughs> so Oh creepy. my gosh. Um I wanna like keep the thread going a bit with, mm-hmm. with Endo and like your your specific journey with it because like I said, I it made me just have so much more sympathy and and you know just I don't know just empathy towards what not sympathy yeah empathy towards you know everything that you went through with that so between having that getting that diagnosis through Mm -hmm. the surgery take us like from there what happened and how you you know what your options were and then how you found um, plant-based living through that sure so I I'll let go by so I like I said so I got diagnosed and then they had they gave me a surgery and they actually what they did was is they gave me a laparoscopy went in saw what was going on and then they did it in emergency I forget what the term is but it's basically a c-section so they cut me from hip to hip to remove the cysts because they were so big they couldn't do it any other way and so I didn't know they were doing this I, it was supposed to be an outpatient procedure so I woke up in the maternity ward the nurses were like, you look great. Cause they thought that I had, uh, had had a baby, uh, but I didn't. <laughs> um, so, so I went home and, you know, it took me a long time to recover cause I basically had a C-section. And so it took me a little bit to recover. And then from that point, they put me on a few different birth control pills, which I'm a huge anti-birth control person now because I was on so many different ones and they're supposed to help women with endometriosis. For me, I felt like they made me crazy. And I know people are like, well, you just got to find the right birth control. I tried a lot and I think they all made me feel crazy, like severely depressed. Like I'm talking just like not in a good place. Like I don't yeah. like, I don't want to say suicidal, but I definitely will say that not wanting to be around. So, well, um, I think, sorry to interrupt you, but you yeah. said something during Davida's podcast that like really stuck with me and cemented all of this where you were like, I don't remember exactly how you articulated it, but it was just something I related to more than anything that I've ever heard that you said, I didn't, it wasn't that I wanted to die, but it was that I didn't want to be awake. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that you said that, I related to so much and it just really hit me. And, and I, I understand that. And with birth control specifically and, and just in general. And anyway, I wanted to just. Yeah. Well, that. I think that the thing is, I think that we live in this world where obviously suicide is, you know, is a very scary thing. And, But I I think that sometimes we don't want to go away forever. We just want to go away until the pain goes away or until the painful thoughts go away. And I think that when you're living with a chronic illness, that you have to wake up and deal with that every day. Why would you want to be awake? Right. I mean, why would, I mean, you know, so, so I was just at the point where I just really didn't want to be awake. So yeah, so I did want to sleep a lot and I did sleep a lot and that the pain that I was experiencing and I also want to mention this that I still went to work except for the first two days of my period 
And I still picked myself up. No one knew that this was happening to me because I just, I'm the type of person where I just push through. And there's actually, there's a book uh, about endometriosis and the doctor in the book calls it type E personality. So it's women that have endometriosis. It's like type E. It's like women that have endo. They just, they just live their lives even though they're in pain and they just are used to it. It's just like their norm to be in that type of pain. So I was still doing everything, but I looked like shit all the time, I'm sure. I probably – I know I wasn't that fun. I was kind of always in a bad mood. So, um, so, so yeah, so that was just my norm. And, you know, I definitely planned my life around my period – not taking vacations or not planning things around it like that week and the couple of days before were just not gonna happen so it just got to the point where the pain just wasn't getting better and my doctor told me that I had two options I could get a hysterectomy similar to what you know happened with your mom or I could go on a drug treatment like a hormonal drug treatment. I just didn't want to put anything else in my body. So I decided that the hysterectomy would be the best way to go. Since that, I was told that by my doctor and the info and all the information that I've read about a hysterectomy doesn't necessarily mean that your endo symptoms are going to go away, which I didn't know. And my doctor did not prepare me for at all. So, uh, so yeah, so I was going to get the hysterectomy and then a friend of mine was staying with me. Uh, she lives in LA and I almost fell because I was in so much pain that I had to like grab the table and push myself back up. And I remember just seeing her eyes in that, I wouldn't like never forget seeing her eyes in that moment of just like someone was, I think believing me and just or seeing what I was hiding from everyone if that makes sense and so I just went back to bed and a couple days later after she got home she had taken it upon herself to do research on endometriosis alternative therapies and she found that a plant-based diet could help so she sent me information about it and I was I think I believe that it could help me maybe like 0.1%. <laughs> I was just, just very skeptical thinking if uh, changing my diet could help my pain, like why would no doctor tell me about this? Like that seems ludicrous to me. But I, I just was willing to try anything. And so I completely changed my diet, which was extremely hard. But within a few weeks, I started to notice a difference. And then a month, I started to notice a huge difference. And then I just kept doing it. And then I just have never gotten a hysterectomy. And now I'm not in pain every day. It's weird. <laughs> it's so weird when I think back to that, that it worked. It's so cool. I I love everything about that story it's super inspiring and isn't it cool to have moments like that where 
you're kind of in disbelief of like you wanted something and it actually worked or you did something or you like did a treatment and it like I remember I and I still you know my skin is still something that is something that I struggle with but I didn't want to like be on um medicine for that and I wanted to like heal it holistically and I remember like really being in disbelief like oh this stuff isn't really gonna work and then when it actually worked having a moment that I can relate to about what you're saying of like I didn't think this was gonna work and oh my god it actually worked this is crazy (laughs) oh my god you know and yeah it's I love moments like that so much it's it's really cool yeah and it's like I was supposed to get a hysterectomy like that's just I just, there's just this, I don't know. Sometimes I think about these moments in your life where if my friend hadn't sent me that email, one email, which what if it went into spam? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, my entire life would be different right now? Like not only would I have gotten the hysterectomy, who knows if it would have helped, but I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I mean, Changing my diet changed my entire life, not just my body. It changed my career. It changed my mind, the way that I think about things, the way that I process things. It's changed everything in my life, not just my period pain. So it's, I don't know, one email has changed my entire life. What a great friend. Are you, I know. what does she think about, are you guys still close? What does she think about all that you've created? I mean, I thank her all the time. <laughs> so I think she feels happy for me. I mean, I think she's also one of those friends. I was just listening to a podcast the other day with Casey Affleck on Mark Marin, mm-hmm. And he was talking about – Mark Marin was asking him about, you know, when your friends are successful or and you've known them for a long time, like how does it make you feel? And she's like, well, they're just my friend. Mm-hmm. So I think that – in her eyes, I think she's like, yeah, that's awesome. But we've also been through so many other things together. I think it's kind of like another thing that we did together. Oh, cool. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's like just another thing. So she was a friend that you've had for, for a really long time. You know, it's weird. I think that her and I had only been friends for maybe two or three years at that point. But she's one of those friends that you have that it feels like you've been friends for 20 years totally that you've known them since birth so and I but I also think in that three short years that we were together we experienced some pretty insane things together so yeah yeah that makes sense so you you kind of already touched on this but I wanted you know just to like tie this bow about endo and and kind of move on to other things that I want to talk to you about where you are now is you know I'll say like kind of basically symptom free, like your periods still are times, you know, that you feel maybe differently than the rest of the month. And and I'd love if you could kind of just kind of talk about that and and what living is like for you now with your chronic illness and having a plant-based diet and where you are with that. And then another thing that I definitely want you to, a note that I want you to hit that again, stuck with me is when you're on your period, you're more vigilant about your diet and lifestyle than in the week leading up to your period than the rest of the month. And could you talk about that and and why that is? Because that's something that I definitely took away from that conversation. Yeah, sure. So 
I will say that, again, going back to that type E personality, my period now might knock you out and not able, like you might not be able to function, but to me it feels amazing. (laughs) So I think that, you know, it's, it, what I, what I think is my norm might be painful to someone else, but it's, I can actually get out of bed now. I can do things on my period. I don't have to, I used to wear two to three pads to make sure that I, I was covered uh, now I just wear one, which is amazing. So I don't have a lot of the same symptoms, but there is no cure to endometriosis. I do want to make that clear too, because I think there's a lot of people that have said like, Oh, you cured. It's like, no, there's no cure. You can manage your pain and you can manage the disease. So, so yeah, but I, but you know, I've also, there was a month I think it was September after Deb's accident and I had my a big book deadline and there was just a lot going on. I had the worst period that I've had in probably five years. It just completely destroyed me. I was in bed for a day because stress really affects endo too, really bad. And I, I know that like when when you were asking about the work that I put in, I have to work for this pretty diligently to feel symptom free. It's not, well, oh, I had a smoothie for breakfast, so my period's not gonna hurt. It's like, no, <laughs> I have to make sure that I'm, you know, eating consistently a plant based diet. I need to stay away from certain foods. I need to make sure that I'm working out. I need to make sure that I'm meditating a couple times a week. It's definitely, it's a part-time job that all the things that I'm doing and that week that it hurt the way that it used to hurt, I wasn't meditating. I hadn't worked out. I still was eating really well, but I know I wasn't eating enough. So I don't know. I think sometimes it's good to kind of have slip ups to remind you how far that you've come and to not take it for granted so much. But yeah, so my life is so different, but I do put in the work a a lot to make sure that it is that way. And like you said, I do make sure to focus on it the week before or the few days leading up to my period the most. And, you know, I tell people that all the time, if you don't want to give up cheese or sugar or any of those things that are inflammatory foods, don't give them up forever. Just give give them up for the times that they're going to affect you the most, which is usually during your period. So you, yeah, you mentioned that, you know, you're more diligent. You don't drink during that time and you're like really good about gluten and, and sugar where, you know, you can be a little bit more lax about those things later in the month. Is there anything that you add in during that time? I know there's like lots of different protocols and other like super foodie things probably on the internet, but like anything specifically other than maybe like resting a bit more that leading up to and when you're on your period, simple things that you kind of add in? Yeah, that's such a good question. I actually, I read, did you read, I don't know if you read Kelly Brogan's book, uh, A Mind of Her Own. I listened to her on your podcast. It's very, yes, she was on my podcast. It's a super controversial book um, that doesn't have to do with periods, but it does have to do 
with mental stuff. But one thing that she talked about in her book to it help was fascinating with fascinating conversation on your, on oh, your yeah, podcast. It, I'll link it, that in the show notes. Yeah, link it. It's I mean, I got a lot of good and bad feedback on that one. But one thing that she does mention in her book is that I don't know, do you say turmeric or turmeric? I say turmeric, but okay. I say many Every- words incorrectly. So <laughs> okay. I would well, not ask Neither me. one is incorrect. It's like niche, niche, turmeric, yeah. turmeric. But anyway, I say turmeric. But uh, so she mentions turmeric pills, <laughs> like little, you know, vitamins yep. to help with inflammation. So I definitely do those during my period and leading up to it. I also don't ever smoke weed, but I usually do the first day of my period. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. If you've got access to it. I love that. <laughs> like when I did not smoke weed for the first time until I was 33 years old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I never smoked a cigarette. I had never tried weed, which is funny because I hung out with most of the druggy kids in high school, but I just had never wanted to try it. And that was something during my almost getting a hysterectomy days. I smoked weed every single day for months, which is so not me at all. Because I mean, obviously, I'd never smoked in my life, but it was the one thing that really helped my endo pain. So I do... It's also funny. I've never bought weed before. I always just like get it from friends. But um, but I will say that smoking weed the first day of your period at night before bed, it does help me a lot. And then I really like that you mentioned that resting thing because I never rested. I mean, when I had to rest, obviously I did. But when I was able to manage my symptoms. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go, go, go. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to do this. But I actually had a friend tell me that women should really, really be more mindful and rest the first couple of days. I mean, this was a very hippie friend of mine. So she said on their moon cycle, yeah. but, uh, she said that you should really rest the first couple of days and not be go, go, go. Because your body deserves to rest. It's yeah. shedding itself. Makes sense. You're bleeding, you know? Yeah. So I have actually become very good about being more restful on those days and not going to work out and not planning a lot of things. So, yeah. So turmeric, smoking weed, and resting which all kind of go together right yeah (laughs) that sounds like a nice little evening (laughs) some curry (laughs) work it all in yeah so so yeah and and I one more thing about the weed thing for me it's sometimes my period pain is I would say the worst at night and I don't know I think a lot of pain when you're finally able to rest and you're just laying there, I think you're more conscious of your pain. Because yeah. when you're moving throughout the day, you're just kind of like, I got to get through this. Distracted. So, yeah, exactly. So at night, that's when I usually the first two days smoke a little weed before bed. And that helps me just kind of chill. Cool. Yeah, I love that. So with this is kind of a maybe a smooth transition, but a big thing that you've been 
working on and, and birthing into the world is your cookbook, One Part yes. Plant, which is out now, the time people are hearing this, which I'm so thrilled about. And I really want to discuss it a, a whole bunch. Um, and actually, it's interesting. The last time we had you on the podcast, you were just about to go to New York to have a bunch of meetings. About <gasps> no the book. way. Yeah. Do you remember oh telling gosh. me about that kind of? I just remember that because I didn't want to tell you because yep. I didn't want to jinx anything. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you were like, yeah, we've got all these meetings. I don't know how it's going to go, but, you know, I'm just going to put it out there on this podcast that I might have a book, Whoa. but I also might not. It was really, really <laughs> humble, and it's it's so cool that now we're having this podcast, and it's about to be out, which is just, like, Whoa. so exciting to me. That's um, so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. And I want to hear about the book. I want to hear about, you know, you have these, like, crazy hella cool contributors and I want if you're cool with sharing who wrote the forward like I want to hear all about that just to like get people as psyched as we are about it but first could you maybe share like and I know you have a whole podcast about this which I really want to <laughs> yeah. hear about but I want to know about the process and I, as I know you know writing a book is, is a big deal it's a big thing and editing it and, and all of it and, and I think I know that, you know, on the level that you did it, especially with a cookbook, even even more so, much more to think about. So I would love to know, you know, how did you take care of yourself during that time, especially with endo? Because it seems kind of, you know, counterintuitive that you can't really be promoting this healthy lifestyle if you're not, you know, you have to practice what you preach even during this stressful time. So how did you handle all of that with this process? The stress part? Yeah, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, okay. So let's back up. So in terms of making a book, it is, so I do have a podcast. It's called the cookbook deal comma. Also the weirdest year of my life and best title. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just, I can't believe you did that. And you thought to record like, Oh, it is so cool. I'm just so excited. Well, for you. I can't, it's really, yeah, it's, it, it is a little crazy. So just for people that don't know, I, you know, I did blather that on Katie's podcast, I was going to be going to New York to meet with publishers to talk about possibly publishing a cookbook. And I just decided to start recording when I got to New York, recording some of the meetings, recording me talking with my agent and just recording everything that happened in if I did get the book and I did pitch it in the meetings with the publishers, I told them that I had an idea for a documentary podcast series chronicling the, the year of making a cookbook because no one, I mean, people do know that have made one, but so many people don't understand how much the author is responsible for. And it's pretty much everything except for distribution and making the book because I mean it, it's crazy you basically get a check in the mail well you know what it's like he's yeah. like get a check make a book right and I've never done that before so like I didn't really know how to do that you just yeah. kind of shit you just like open up your computer and you're like okay so how do I start making this book like, yeah. where do you even start? So I recorded that process. And during the year, also the weirdest year, 
of my life part. I just had three very traumatic events happen in my life that, and I'm not talking about, you know, really petty things like running out of curry when Mm -hmm. I'm doing a curry recipe, but just very traumatic events in my family. And I recorded those too, because I thought that was important to talk about the story. And so I recorded it all. And it's so funny because you know, when you're watching a documentary and you think, how did that, how did they know to record that? Like, how did they know that that was going to yeah, happen? Yeah, 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 totally. Well, you don't know. You just record and then things happen because, you know, life happens. And so I just think it's so crazy that I decided to record this year of my life while making the cookbook and then just the most crazy things also happened at the same time. So I don't know. It's been pretty interesting to listen back to all the audio to make the podcast because, you know, I have to go back and listen to all of the interviews that I did and all of the talking that I did during that time. And A, how much things have changed since then. And B, just I forgot how intense a lot of those moments were. I really, I'm telling you, this year I just has been such a blur that I don't like I was at home and I was making some of my recipes for Christmas and I had to look at the recipes to remember how to make them because I don't even remember making those like I this year just feels like a blur so it's been kind of nice to have that little time capsule to actually remember it a little bit so so yeah so so, so anyway that podcast is out now as as this is you know when this is airing yeah but yeah the book it's called one part plant yay um, i wish i had sound effects right now (laughs) maybe i can add those in we're already giving amanda enough to do (laughs) but my mission of it is the whole concept of it is the idea of one part plant i want it to be this new movement of kind of like a new meatless monday where I just want everyone to eat one plant-based meal a day. And I think that that is doable. I'm not asking everyone to become vegan. I'm not saying you have to be paleo or whatever your all of the things are. I just want people to eat one plant-based meal a day to start because I think it's a good starting point. And just to be clear, a plant-based diet, what a plant-based meal would be is it's comprised of vegetables, fruits, grains, seeds, nuts, legumes. And that doesn't mean it has to literally be a plate of broccoli with sesame seeds on it. You can have a creamy cashew sauce over brown rice pasta or having a curry. There's a lot of really delicious foods you can have. And I don't know. That's an easy place to start, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think I was talking to my cousin over the holiday and he came up to me and said, I heard about your book. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he said, you know, I have a friend that's a pescatarian and I have a friend that's a vegan and they're always trying to get me to be one of those things. And I said, well, next time you roll into their house, you can say I'm one part plant because people sometimes want you to have a label, a label. And one part plant is sort of 
the non-label label, yes. if that makes sense. <laughs> I honestly just, I use it all the time because <laughs> I've been so all over the place with what I'm eating and what I'm not eating and just people are, you know, I used to be so uber restrictive and raw and whatever and and I think, you know, it, I confused a lot of people who have been in my life throughout and now whenever I'm kind of trying to explain it to people or to new people, I, I say, well, my friend Jess has this thing, it's called one part plant and she just wants people to, you know, add in more plants and that's kind of, you know, where I'm at now. I eat a lot of plants and like I talk about you, like every time I talk about oh, what nice. I'm eating basically. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I just, I, it's, and like you said, I think it is an easy way to explain to people because we are in a culture now where most people define the way they eat, which can feel very scary and, as you said, confusing and confusing to yourself. And then you can also beat yourself up if you're not perfect. So I just don't want anyone to feel like they have to fit into one certain type of eating I just want them to feel good, and I do believe that eating more plant-based food can make you feel good. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that anyone can argue with that. Oh, yeah, totally. I think it's, uh, yeah, of all those diets, it's the thing that everyone can agree on. Yeah, yes. So, so yeah, so it was also important to me with this book to marketing-wise is a huge part of it, but then also just just to show that there everyone can be down with this. So I asked six very not plant-based chefs to make a recipe for my book, a plant-based recipe. So I have I don't know if you've been to the meatball shop in New York. They have six or seven locations, but Daniel Holzman of the meatball shop made a recipe that was plant-based, which is pretty exciting. Um I have Ruth Reichel, I have Julia Tertian. Um so yeah, it's I felt like that was an important component too because I just want to show that anyone can do this. Even mm -hmm. hardcore people that own meatball shops, they can be down with vegetables and plants too. And then when you asked about the foreword, Lena Dunham wrote the foreword, which is very exciting because one, she's amazing, but also she's just such a good writer that after I read her foreword, I was like, mm. Can we just like use this for like, the <laughs> entire book? Because it's just, it was just so beautifully written. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I just, it's, I don't know. Obviously I can be real with you and with all your people, but I just, I want this book to do well, but I also just really want people to get it and to have it help them. Like, I definitely think the pictures are insanely pretty. I'm so excited. But I want I want people to read it, and I want people to think, okay, I could do this. Yeah. That's what I want most is people just to feel like maybe they can make a small change too. Oh, well, that's – that's we got that in the bag, Jess, because you're, okay. so, <laughs> you're so approachable. You're so – yeah, I think approachable is just genuine and approachable. Like, those are the two words that I instantly think of when I think of you. And I know that that shines through the book. Like, I just, I see it. I know it. And also, this is something I wanted to ask you about anyway, but 
you have such amazing taste and it's uh, oh, and I don't mean nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I mean like with food, I'm I'm sure like your recipes are amazing and and that's that's all, you know, again, got that in the bag. But there's something about you. You have yeah, you you have this this taste. Like you're not a you're like the opposite of a vanilla person. You know what I mean? Like you have so much dimension to you and depth to you and even, you know, through your style and the way that you dress and I think hats and patterns and beauty in this like really, really genuine way. And I know that that's something that shines through your book beyond the food is this aesthetic that you bring to everything that you do. And, and, you know, I'll say for people listening, and I know we do touch on your background career wise more in our first episode. So people can, can go back and listen to that, but you have this background as a designer. And I know that that has kind of touched you with something that will bleed through all of your work. Um, you know, bleed is a very <laughs> good term with you, <laughs> but it'll, um, you know, it really is like this thread. So like, I don't know how to articulate this question, but maybe you'll understand what I mean because I feel like I, I relate to you in some way with this. And Ira Glass has this great, um, I think it's like a maybe a talk that he did or something, but he has this thing about taste where it's like we, people who have good taste sometimes your work has to catch up with your taste. Have you mm. heard that? No, but I feel that. Yeah, and I, I related to it so much, but I, I look at you as someone who has this amazing taste and you can see that in in the work that you have. So is that something you developed? And, and I'm, I'm kind of talking everything, but if you want to talk specifically about your style and your aesthetic, like have you always been really into patterns? Have you always been really into hats? Have you always you know, how did you kind of come up with your specific aesthetic and, you know, your work uh, from your website to your design, to your, to your photos, to, you know, the way you dress yourself and like present yourself to the world? Ooh, um, the well, lot of questions in one. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think that, well, two things. One, I think that if you look at photos of me growing up, I definitely, like my mom, my mom just let me wear whatever I want, which were pretty ridiculous outfits. And she just always said, you know, as long as, you know, you get good grades, like I don't really care what you wear. But I definitely was always a little bit more gothy, punky, alternative y. And so I think that the way that I dress has always just been that's just, it's never been this thing that I'm trying to do something different. It's just, I guess what I'm drawn to. And I think that that is good and bad though, when it comes to my website and my branding, because I don't always feel like my true aesthetic is always represented in the work that I do because I want to reach the masses and I think that sometimes the stuff that I like might be a little too weird maybe like and also not appropriate for food like I like like really creepy photography and black and white and a lot of you know Bauhaus design which is doesn't really fit fit in with food if that makes sense 
Mm-hmm. So I'm always actually trying to find this balance of me with what I think will appeal to the masses. Because I do think that that's important when you're trying to help a large group of people or you're trying to connect with a large group of people. It's important that everyone is able to digest and understand the type of imagery that you're putting out there. And I don't do it in an inauthentic way. I'm not think I'm not trying to dumb anything down, but you know, if it were up to me and I had some the the most Jessica Mernan site there is, it would probably be completely black and white and have one photo on it and that's it. But that's not that attractive when it comes to food and that's not that happy seeming. So I have a lot of color and I have a lot of photo and that's actually how I like to dress anyway. So it's not a a far stretch, but I mean, do you find that with your brand that sometimes you sort of, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I hope this makes sense. No, it does. I, I was thinking about it though, as you were speaking, I was like, well, I think you do do a really good job of bleeding it in you know you do do it does it does come across that you have this really great taste and you know you'll throw a photo on Instagram that has nothing to do with food here and there and I think that's important for us to be able to you know see the person behind the food and and as you were saying you know with your website of like wanting it to be all black and white with one photo like I totally relate to that like I (laughs) I want mine to be you know like completely artsy and like not but I think that that maybe isn't approachable, and I think that's really important. That's a really important part of of your brand as well, and and mine, I guess. That is, you know, maybe we have to sacrifice some artistic, you know, taste for the approachable factor. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, and you know, becoming becoming from graphic design, graphic design, the the true definition of graphic design or my true definition is communication. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what is, how is it best to communicate your message? And the best way to communicate my message is not having some cryptic photo on my website that has nothing to do with food. It's to have food and it's to have to bright colors and it's to have a welcoming environment. So, yeah, so I guess you're, I think you're right. It's like when we're, when we're thinking about it, maybe it's not, maybe sacrifice isn't the right word, but maybe it's understanding. I think that having one photo on your website, that's all black and white is definitely more of a fashion brand. It's not a food brand. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I like that. So unless I was selling like black salt. <laughs> yeah. Which would be <laughs> very it, cool. One product. Or maybe that's what I should do. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah. And I also from, you know, from my past businesses, I will say that I really, really learned that cool doesn't always sell. And in my past business, I had no information about me on the website. It was actually really was a black and white website. I was very cryptic about who the owner was. I didn't post any photos of myself. I did nothing. And I remember when I was launching One Part Plant, my friend had a little intervention with me and she said, you have to include yourself because this new brand is because of your, I hate the word journey sometimes, but it's because of what you've gone through. So 
you have to include yourself. And so I did. And I think that it's really, really helped. And I had to kind of get over that I didn't necessarily think that that was that cool. But thank God I did because I've got to connect with all of these people now like you and all of my friends because I included myself. Yeah. Like why hide yourself? And I was hiding because I thought it seemed kind of cool to do that. Yeah. And the reason why I resonate with anything that you post is because I resonate with you as a human. You know, it really has right. – that's that's my window in. And some people that might be the recipe, but I think – I would argue probably the majority, it's that they connect with you on some level. Yeah, and you know, the the thing is, is that I wasn't a super introvert hiding in my house. I'm, I'm a extremely social person, and in Chicago, I mean, that's what I did, is I did so many social events and planned parties and did stuff, so it wasn't because I was hiding. I think it was just because I thought that was cooler to have this kind of you know, mysterious mm. brand. And sometimes cool doesn't fucking sell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you look at the brands that you, at least the brands that I admire, the big brands like a Martha or a Oprah or yeah. these big brands, there's a personality attached to them. Yeah. I didn't get that before. Yeah. And maybe it's redefining cool. You know, I think there's exactly. ways. Exactly. There's, exactly. There's ways to be, you know, a personality like I can I can think of you know many people like you know podcasting or doing you know whatever and you can do it in a way that you know it's definitely all about you and it can be cool and then there are ways that you can do it that it can be kind of too much you know and I think there's there's like a it's a balance of of all of it if that makes sense right no for sure but okay another thing that this is kind of an update from our friend Katie's podcast which I have fresh in my mind your episode with her because I just listened to it and it was so fantastic and I felt like I was hanging out with two friends but you guys spoke about on there your feeling of holding on to weight emotional weight Mm. and just things that you wanted to release and that conversation again something that really stuck with me and I think you guys recorded that several months ago so Mm -hmm. I would love if you could kind of talk about where you are and oh god I'm gonna say it again in your journey with that (laughs) and you know I think at the time you were starting kundalini and I want to know you know is that something that has helped you know I I love kundalini as well I loved your episode on your podcast about kundalini and I don't know I just it that conversation got me thinking a lot about up leveling in your life and something that that I'm kind of trying to do myself in, in different ways and I just would love to kind of hear where you're at with that and 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 you know the releasing of, of weight in your life yes uh it's funny that you mentioned this because I actually am currently really working on it a woman after hearing the podcast with Katie mm-hmm. actually reached out to me and she has a she actually she has a website called Live Beautiful with two L's, so beautiful. And her name is Brenda. And after she heard that website with Katie, she was just really felt this need to help me get through that heaviness that I feel. Oh wow. Um <clears throat> 
And she reached out to me and she said, I would really love to work with you and help you work through this. And when she sent me that email at the time, I was just like, I really don't have time to work through this right now. (laughs) And also at that time, I was doing my own things like Kundalini and I was trying new workout methods. And to explain it to everyone, if you didn't, you might don't, you don't listen to every podcast I'm on, but I was just feeling this sense of heaviness in my body and not being fat, but feeling heaviness just, and, and it's something that she and I are now, I re I finally did get back to her and I said, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I just don't feel like it's the right time right now. But then I don't know something. I think with all the stuff that happened with Deb, I decided to, I was feeling it even more. And so I decided to reach out to her and I, and I also don't like it asking people for help, even though she offered to help me, it was accepting the help that felt hard. So the thing that her and I have been working on, she gave me she gave me eight sessions, which is her program, which I'm telling you, everyone, you need to work with this woman. But she and I have been working on this idea. It's very cognitive therapy behavior of what's a fact and what's a feeling. Oh, and, this is so cool. I'm like, want to <laughs> sign up right now. What is it? Live so, beautiful with two L's? Yes. Yes. And so much of my feelings of heaviness, some have to do with facts, but most of them have to do with feelings. And, and I think that, okay, if you're applying this to your life, let's say that you, and this is not exactly what her and I are doing, but let's say you look in the mirror and you, you look fat. Okay. Mm -hmm. You think you look fat. So what's a feeling and what's a fact? You feel that you look fat. But if you were to pull out a tape measure and measure yourself, like, is the fact, is it a fact that you actually are bigger? Like, it's it's really determining those things. And I think so many things that we feel are feelings and we turn them into facts because we consistently do the negative talk that we turn them into things that we believe are true. Mm-hmm. So... These feelings of heaviness, just through my work with her, and I'm going to have her on a podcast to to talk about this, the things that we've been working on, I've realized that they kind of have nothing to do with what I thought they had to do with. So we're working through that. So I still feel a little bit of the heaviness, but it's lessening each time that I work with her. Oh, that is so cool. So is she... Uh, kind of like a therapist or a coach? She, yeah, she's a coach. And again, I never accept help. Yeah. <laughs> and this was sort of a, this was sort of a, and I also told her the first time that we walked, that we worked together at the end, I said, I also feel an immense amount of guilt that you are helping me as a gift. Like, I don't like, can I pay you? Like, and she just said that she just wanted to do it, like just in her soul that that's what she wanted to do was because wow. when she heard this podcast, she was like, I have to help her mm. get through this. What a good <laughs> human. Yeah. So mm. anyway, everyone look her up. I, I just, I, I, 
I will say that the first two sessions we've had three, the first two sessions I was feeling very, a little skeptical, like, meh, okay. Like I get it, this idea of fact versus feelings. But then I was, I was doing something and I felt that sense of heaviness coming over me and I thought about it, the fact versus feeling, and I thought a little bit more deeply about what am I actually thinking right now and I was able to transition that thought into something else. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that heaviness feeling – I, do you know that? Do you know that when you have, uh, when you get a plant or you get flowers, and there's that, there's that green like fake moss ball yeah. or like a block at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I feel my sense of heaviness, I feel like I'm living inside of one of those. Ooh, whoa! Do you know, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very like stranger things like it's like (laughs) sucking you in (laughs) I feel like I'm living inside that and I can't like it feels so heavy that I can't like push through Mm, that makes me sad I want to but 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 I'm but I'm working through that and I think that and I think that you know I think that I also realized working with her that that because of this year being so stressful with the traumatic events that I've experienced, that that's why that heaviness has emerged because I haven't been processing all those things that are I'm going through. Yeah. Like how are you supposed to get out of that stupid piece of fake moss if like you're not processing the things that are happening? Right. Uh, so anyway – include her in the show notes she's amazing yeah i will for sure i'm excited to look her up like right after this i related a lot to what you were saying too during that podcast about the eating everything perfectly and and doing all the things perfectly but your outsides to other people or or to yourself not not matching you know what you Mm -hmm. thought they would be and that was something you know for me for a very long time you know, again, being the wellness wonderland girl and, you know, eating perfectly and and all of these things that I was doing perfectly for me. And I was really struggling with my skin, like I mentioned, like several times in this episode. And I remember I was actually getting my nails done at this like holistic, um, you know, cruelty-free vegan nail polish place that was led like looked up and I was like so excited to go there and the woman said something to me like what are you what are you eating your skin like honey you're basically like do you know anything about like that the food you eat has to do with your skin because my skin Mm -hmm. was like so broken out this is like two years ago and I just burst into tears because like little did she know you know I had you know what I was eating and um and it just really when you were saying that about you know, doing everything but still not feeling like you you thought it would make everything go away, I resonated with that so much and it made me feel less alone, like hearing your story with that because I think we can do all of these things and think that they'll affect our, our body in, in some way and they it probably does, but it's, it's not an exact science and the reason we're doing things might not have to do with with our weight. It might not have to do with, you know, it might have to do with a chronic illness. It might have to do with our skin. It might have to do with, like, lots of different things, but people never know. You know, do you know what I'm trying to, like, say? Uh, yeah. Like, 
Yes, <laughs> I do know that because with this book coming out, I know that I'm going to be on TV yeah. and I know I'm going to have to be in a lot of photos and still with my endometriosis, I definitely have a lot of inflammation that is out of my control. No matter how well I eat, it does not matter. I will still be inflamed a lot of times and feel in a sense like this bloat. And I, this is one thing I'm actually talking to this Brenda live beautiful about, you know, after that surgery that I had, I have a huge hanging pooch of skin that will not go away unless I have surgery. Like that's a fact. And that is a talking about the feelings versus fact thing that kind of makes, doesn't make me feel sometimes that confident because I'm supposed to be this person that is all about wellness and eats really well. But is someone going to see me as being overweight or not have a certain flat type of stomach? Those things are out of my control, but they don't know that. They could see me on TV and think, wow, look at that chick's fucking belly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, they don't know what my story is. And that can feel, I mean, I definitely have been called fat on Instagram before. I've been, I remember one woman came up to me and told me before that she really liked my recipes and my, my whole point of view because I wasn't a, a, a thin person. It's like, wow, okay. <laughs> um, thanks. And that does, that is sort of a little nerve wracking to put yourself out there and that some of your body stuff, like for you, it was your skin that is a little just out of your control. And you're like, but I do do really good things and I do take care of myself and I can't help that I have a big fucking pooch of skin. Yeah. So, uh, or is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it is, it's, and, and, you know, I don't think obviously that I would care as much about those things if I wasn't going to be now being put into the spotlight, into public view, because people are cruel and not nice when it comes to making comments on the internet or watching a te television show or on social media. And that's just something that I have to just accept and say, well, I know what's going on with my body and I just can't worry about what these other people are thinking. Yeah. And when they call me fat or overweight or not thin or whatever they're saying, I just have to know that I feel really good and I'm not stuck in bed because of my endo and basically double middle to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of just gratitude, you know, and that stuff we can't control. Like there's so many people who, you know, whenever I have had any, you know, type of eyes on my work, it seems like they're those comments that I get, you know, you're too thin, you're too big, you're this, you're not this enough, whatever. And I think it just comes with it. I, I kind of look at it as like, oh, good. It's it's spreading, you know, like right. my work is spreading and this is, you know, the territory that comes with that. Um, but that's not to say it's not like so hard. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and it's just, again, I think you just don't know what someone's story is. Yeah. Like that chick at the place. I'm definitely guilty sometimes of seeing people with terrible skin and I just want to tell them don't eat dairy anymore. But I don't fucking know. They might not eat. I would never actually say that to someone. But what if their parent just passed away or what if they have a completely other type of disease going on? Like you don't know what's causing that person to look the way that they look. Totally. And what if it, you know, in my case, like what if they haven't been eating dairy for years and years and like eat this perfectly raw diet, but they just aren't eating enough or whatever it is. Like you have no, you have no idea. And and I think it's a good, this is a good conversation to be having for everyone listening of like, You have no idea what anyone's going through ever. And don't call me fat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Because it's not nice. With getting, you know, those comments and whatever, I think having supportive people in your life is key to all of this. And something I so appreciate with our friendship is having you in my corner, like like I mentioned. And like I said, I'll never forget this moment this summer where I was feeling sad about something and you just sent me this text at the – best moment and I don't know if I even like told you how much this impacted me but it it, like changed everything for me knowing you were in my corner and yeah you're just you're such a supportive friend and 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 good person so talking about friendship what does good friendship look like to you and what does being a good friend look like to you wow well I think that can I drop some Brene Brown for a second? Of course. Uh, I watched this video of her once and on Oprah, and I hope this is not the most cliche conversation ever. <laughs> but um, but I but I saw her, and she said this thing that really stuck with me: is that when shit goes down in your life, the friends that are your real friends are not the people that feel sorry for you. They're not the people that compare a worse thing that happened to them. And and they're not the type of people that are going to patronize you. They are the person that says, fuck. Okay, well, she didn't say fuck, but fuck. Yeah. That sucks. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. And that to me, those are the friends that I want to have. I don't want someone to feel sorry for me. I want someone to just say, I hear you, I see you, now let's get to work. And I think that uh, is the best kind of friend to have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, listen, yes, I want, I would, I love it when my friends hug me or tell me, you know, that they love me and I like it when my friends are emotional with me, but I like it even more when they are just there and they're listening and they just recognize that it sucks. Mm-hmm. And now what are we going to do? Yeah. Because that's so what we that's, really want. Yeah. We want a yeah, solution. Exactly. You know, because it's, it's that kind of friend that you have that you tell something that happens and they're like, like when I was going through adoption stuff and I had this one particular friend that I just couldn't talk to anymore because Everything that I said, it would either be, well, at least you dot, 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 like some sort of thing that was like, well, at least you have a supportive husband or at least you or or a comment 
that she would compare, say, well, I had a friend that went through this and she had an even harder time. It's like, okay, those comments (laughs) are not helpful. Yeah. What I want you to say is let's go get a drink or Mm -hmm. wow, that really sucks. What can I do? Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are the friends you want. And also in this piece that I saw, she was just talking about that might only be two or three people in your life. That doesn't, you don't need 20 of these people. That could be two or three that you keep on reserve for when shit happens, things. And then those other people that aren't going to respond that way, those are the people that you can go to bars with. Those are the people that you can have fun with or just go to workout classes with, like whatever. And then you reserve those other people for when you know you need them. Yeah. My grandma used to always make fun of me because I had so many best friends. Like, it was like this, I would like use that term very liberally. Like, I just met this is my best friend. And she said, you know, you can actually count your true friends on one hand. And I think that that's really sound advice. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel, man, I feel so fortunate for the friends that I have because. I, this year, there's no way I could have gotten through this year without them. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel the same. And yeah, I'm so grateful. And I want to say that I have a couple people in my life that don't feel like they have good friends. And if there's people that are listening to this, it sucks probably to hear me like, I love my friends. They're so great. Yeah. And so if you're a person that doesn't have a lot of friends and that makes you feel bad. I mean, maybe try to find them in new ways, I guess, like finding there's this chick that you always see in your yoga class. Like maybe that's your friend or I don't know, maybe it's the friend that doesn't dress like you or the friend that you least expect to have. Cause I think not just with friends, but I think sometimes with life partners or boyfriends or relationships or whatever, we have this idea of what our person should be. And maybe it's the opposite of that. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I love that so much. There's actually a really good episode of you introduced me to her, but Laura Miller's talking in circles about making friends and friendships that I think is, is really spot on that we'll put in the show notes because it, it speaks to this exact point really well with a lot of different perspectives. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, man, that show is the best. Oh, it's the best. I want to do it – like I want to do a version with you and like a bunch of people we know someday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would be really fun. And her. She's so cool. Um, speaking of, of friendship, social media is, is a way that I've met the lots worst. of yeah, – The worst, but also – And, you the, know, best. and yeah, the best. And, and the, the best. best and because the best. I've met you through that and, and a lot of great people. But something that stuck out when you were talking about social media with Katie in the episode I, I keep referring to was about how – one of you said this. I don't remember which, but how 10 years ago it wasn't even a metric that we were able to judge people on. Like it just didn't even exist. And now mm-hmm. it's like – you know, editors and agents and jobs and people in general are judging people through this lens of of this platform that didn't even exist ten years ago or less. So, so what are what are your thoughts on it? Give us maybe some like top line things of where you're at with it today, especially with the book coming out. I okay, 
I'm kind of glad that you brought this up so I can just talk through these feelings for a second. I just don't, I feel a little bit trapped right now in this weird world of sharing because I don't feel that social media anymore. My message is 50%. There's a 50% chance it's going to get delivered, right? Because with algorithms and how, I mean, I think the election was a perfect example of how Instagram Mm. is effed up is that the day that Trump was elected, I opened up my Instagram and because of the algorithm, I still had all of these images from 14 hours ago of people going to the polls saying like, I can't wait for the first female president. It's like, are you kidding me? Put this shit in chronological order again. Yeah. This is not cool, man. Yeah. So, so I feel like with this, yeah, it, it was, it was an interesting moment because I knew about algorithms and I knew how much I think that they were affecting these platforms, but it wasn't until that moment where you really wanted something to be in chronological order that it wasn't. And so I feel in this really weird place right now where I know that I need to share because of the book and I want to share because I love the people that I've met on social media, but I also feel like it's like, it's like, okay, let's say every single day you wrote a letter to a friend or you invited someone to a party and you sent out all the invitations and there was a 50% chance that it would make it. Doesn't that make you sort of not send it? Yeah. 100%. (laughs) And so I kind of feel like that right now. It's like, I'll put this out there, but I don't, I don't know. Are they going to see it? Mm. And that's just kind of a weird, shitty feeling to have. So I really have been, I mean, I, I know that you do the same thing. I put a lot of my effort into my newsletter that comes out every Sunday because I know whether they open it or not, it's still going to be delivered. But I don't know what to do about this other feeling that I have because right now it just feels weird to share Yeah, on those platforms. I and- actually haven't even thought of it. I had like until this moment about the algorithm, I'm kind of just like, and then living in this like old way of thinking of like, of course, all of my followers are going to see every post, which is so no, silly, I mean, don't, I just don't, don't even, you, I mean, how many posts do you see of your friends anymore? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I barely, I, I barely see anyone that I care about, which obviously means I need to unfollow a whole bunch of things, but I follow a bunch of things just so I can feel like, it's important for me because of discovering new podcast guests or wanting to remember a clothing brand I saw that I liked. And so, and I mean, haven't you noticed that your engagement is down too? Yeah. I mean, I think my engagement's probably down. I just, I'm really bad at like noticing the numbers or like looking at the numbers or like anything like that. But I will say this is probably like speaks of my addiction to social media, but I scroll a lot and I also search people a lot. Like I, if I haven't, if I'm like, oh, what's Jess doing? I want to see photos of what you're doing. I will type your name in 
all the time. And I type in names of like people I know I like their aesthetic and I like to see them. And if I haven't, I will I will type their name. And I know that's not everyone. And no, no, for sure. That, but yeah, and people people do that. But the whole reason that we joined this, or at least I did, for yeah. for marketing purposes was for people to see my shit. Yeah. And so, and you know, and I think there's another thing that's happening and I can send you an article about this to put in the show notes is that Mm -hmm. the more followers that you have, people are losing engagement. So I just, for instance, a, a month ago started a new one part plant Instagram account that is dedicated to just food and one part plant inspiration so you can go there and get inspiration for a one-part plant meal my engagement and on that page is better than my engagement on my other page and I have 16,000 whatever followers on my Jessica Renan page I have 1,000 on the other page the engagement is better there and there's something about the algorithm that at this point it's better for you to have less followers because they're for sure going to be seeing your shit Mm -hmm. than having more followers. Like I want to like, I want to have like 3000 followers. That to me would be a very happy place. Yeah. And, and also the more followers you have, a lot of times the more bots that follow you. So I have a ton of fake people that are following me because of however it works. I don't understand how it works. And a lot of times I just block those accounts because I don't want them to fuck up my the rest of my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry to be a bummer because no, it's I okay. do love the format to share. But just like I said about sending out a letter, an invitation, it you you feel in this icky place of is this worth the effort? Right. Right. Wow, yeah. Instagram, if you're listening, feel free to sponsor <laughs> both of our podcasts. And can you please fix the algorithm while you're at it? <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm just I'm kind of waiting for. I don't know how because I I definitely and if you have do- ideas, I definitely sometimes think about when I'm sitting down and I want to share something like a giveaway or something. Mm-hmm. I try to think where else can I share this that I know people will see. Like how, like how, how are you, or I guess you said you didn't really think about it as much. Yeah, I haven't been at all, but I will now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And I, and I think, you know, is that buying ads? I've never done that before, but if these, if these platforms are becoming more of a platform straight up for marketing purposes and you're not getting to see the things you want, like maybe you do start paying for those to to make sure that people see your stuff. And I'm not talking about a picture of Sid. I'm not going to pay for that. But when it comes to my book and things, do I have to start paying for people to see it? Like maybe I have to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. I think I still so use my social media. You know, I had to think in a marketing mind a little bit when my book came out and I was kind of like, I'm going to do my best and do all the things I'm I'm supposed to do and I've seen all these other authors do and I did them and, you know, my book did okay. It, it did what it did. It and did I, well. Thank you. And I'm, you know, and I'm just kind of, 
well, I did the best I could, and now I'm just kind of back to I'm just a person, and I'm going to use social media just as I did when I was in high school, and I'm just sharing what I like. And, you know, the most recent thing I posted as of right now was like a photo of my grandpa pinching my cheeks, you know, and, I'm, <laughs> and I just don't really have to think about if that gets seen, but I totally understand the position that you're in right now where it's very different than than where I am and yeah sending out invitations to your party and not knowing if they get to the people is really intense (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so eh. yeah I get it okay (laughs) so basically sign up for my newsletter yes sign up for for her newsletter 100% it is my favorite thing about Sundays I love seeing what freaks your week Jess and I know everyone listening to this will love if you like my newsletter at all and sign up for that as well you will like Jess's like 10 times more it's so inspiring (laughs) to me I'm obsessed with it (laughs) um okay I have kept you way longer than I said I would but I'm so grateful that you stayed and I want to get to quick fire questions super quick so thank you so much for doing this first of all oh my gosh um, okay, so we'll do these quick fire-ish. Some of them might take a little bit longer, but just kind of say the first few things that come to your mind. Okay. Best thing you've eaten in the last week? Mashed potatoes and gravy. Yum. I made it. I make this plant-based gravy that's in my cookbook, and it's. I will have to say, I really feel proud of it. Really? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Is it so mushroom, mashed- mushrooms involved? In yes. Gravy? Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Oh, okay. I'm craving that now. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? Never ask people what they do for a living. Mm. Cool. I love that. That's a really good one. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Get a hysterectomy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's a good one. What do you do when you're having a bad body image moment or a bad self-image moment? How do you shift out of it quickly? Any advice for that? Well, now that I've been working with Brenda, I've been thinking about what's a fact and what's a feeling. So, and just, and, and also, I also have been bouncing a lot. I got a rebounder and that those moments help me a lot. There's, there's this something about bouncing up and down with the endorphins and everything that has just kind of just gets me out of a, a place. Cool. I love that. Sometimes I just do like a hundred jumping jacks every once in a while. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's the same thing. Like endorphins are real, you know? Yeah, I think I'm going to do a hundred jumping jacks like right after this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I I, I would love your advice on moving and your thoughts on moving. You recently moved to Charleston, which sounds like this perfect place that like just sounds so – ideal right now especially it it being winter after you know you lived in Chicago for a very long time Mm -hmm. so and I want to come visit you which we'll talk about later but anyway the question is can you talk about moving advice and kind of finding your home and cultivating a community wherever you are just anything you want to say about moving yes I think that one thing to remember is that you don't have to live there forever I think that we get this idea of oh my god I don't know if I can move. Am I again going to meet new friends? What's going to happen? The same way that you moved there, you can leave there. So I think don't think of it as this permanent decision. Think of it as something new that you tried. And I think it takes off a lot less pressure to move if that is helpful. Is that helpful? Very. 
Okay. And I think that in terms of a new community, I have met so many cool friends in Charleston so far. And so many of them have moved from other places too. And a lot of them I've met through Instagram. So there is some beauty to that. But I think that I don't know. I think most people, if they get a random email or message from someone that says, hey, I'm new in town. I love what you're doing. Most people are going to be probably pretty cool about grabbing a juice or a coffee or a drink with you. So I, I think maybe that's easier said than done because a lot of people might be nervous to just go on a blind date with someone. But just look at the whole move as this crazy adventure And if you want to go back to your old life, go back to your old life. Cool. Love that. Great advice. So I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but a feeling that I've been having is this feeling of kind of being unfocused, you know, feeling like a master of none. You know, I'm doing lots of different things and not all that well because I'm doing Mm -hmm. so many. Um, And I know you do a lot of things as well. You're a mother, you're a wife, you're a cookbook author, but you're also a podcast host twice over and you know you do a million things so how do you handle those feelings or do you ever get those feelings and how do you focus in your life well I think lately I've just been really trying to shift the idea of master of none to I'm trying to think of a a cool phrase to use for that instead of master of none how about a really good at a lot of things. <laughs> I like that. Or or because I don't know. Okay at a I, bunch. <laughs> yeah. Or good at a bunch. Yeah. You know? And I think I don't know. You you do do a lot of things, but you I think it's also important and I'm talking to you, not the collective you. I think it's important to step back and say, okay, so I'm saying I am doing a lot of things, but I'm not that good at all of them. Or, But your your podcast is very successful. You wrote a book. You have a full-time – I mean, it's you kind of have to give yourself a little bit of credit. I think that Thanks. It, it would be okay to maybe beat yourself up more if every single day or night – you had all of these plans, you wrote down 10 ideas of things you wanted to do, and you never attempted any of them. Like you attempt a lot of things. And I feel like that alone is a master of something, right? Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I guess I just feel like I'm curious, the level of success I could have if I had some focus in my life at all, you know, on any of these things, I feel like I could do even a a better podcast or be a better writer if I if I focused on you know any one of those things but don't you think that's also a choice so you could decide tomorrow to not do the podcast so you could focus solely on writing true yeah so I think it's just I think it's also a choice of you might like actually doing a lot of things I think I do I think that's the secret (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd be so bored doing one thing I think we just uncovered it yeah I think that that's a that's okay I mean I definitely have had so many careers in my lifetime and I definitely used to judge that and think oh my god 
I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Like, who am I? What's my thing? Da, da, da. And then I sometimes, I, I do think about people that I admire career-wise. Most of them have done a bunch of things. They're not doing one thing. So I think, and funny that you mentioned The Master of None. I'm sure you've seen that thing on Netflix, but um, that show. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, Aziz does a ton of different things. Yeah, and that's true. And I heard a podcast with Paul Shear. You like him probably, right? Yeah, yeah of course. And he, he was just something – the interviewer was asking him about, you know, why do you do so many things? Why don't you – he's like – because in, in today's world, it, you have to have your hands in a lot of things because you never really know what's going to stick. And, I mean, he I think he also mentioned not wanting to get bored, so – Let's just accept the fact that you like doing a lot of things because you. Yeah. Could, you could decide not to do them whenever you want to. Yeah. Okay. This is great. I, I've been like pondering this and asking everyone who came on the podcast this question because it's been, you know, obviously what's been on my mind, but I think I'm done. I think we can land that plane here because, yeah, I think you just hit it out of the park. <laughs> All right. And just, maybe tonight, one more thing. Can yeah, I just say maybe tonight, write down a list of all the things that you're doing that are making you feel unfocused and maybe take out one of them. Yeah. Okay. So you're having a dinner party and you can invite five people. What do you cook? Who do you invite? And what do you hope that someone turns and asks you about? And what do you hope no one asks you that you don't want to talk about anymore? Oh, my God. Um. I'm going to have a potluck. Ooh, nice. And I'm going to make every single person that comes bring something that I can eat. Because whenever I go to any dinner party, I have to bring my own food usually because no one eats plant-based. That's my friend. Um, So I'm going to have a potluck. I am going to invite – I'm going to invite the – five women that I feel like have been most supportive of me this year. And I feel like I can't name them because it's more like 10 of them. Is that okay if I don't yeah. name them? Yeah, yeah, so it's okay. totally fine. But, but um, I love but that. All, I love that as women. The women that have supported me in this past year, the friends that we talked about that are the friends that say, fuck, what are we yeah. going to do? So all of those women. And then it's going to be a potluck. I hope that people ask me about the recipes that I made so they want to eat one part plant. And I hope that no one asks me if I'm happy that Donald Trump is our president. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What is your favorite season and why? I'm going to have to – well, I would say in Chicago, my favorite season was – fall and in charles in charleston i'm gonna have to go with spring cool okay big question heavy question what do you think happens when we die oh wow um (laughs) i'm gonna have to say i have zero idea cool and i'm and i'm okay with that love that okay what is something that made you laugh really hard in the last week that that you can think of if something pops into your mind Okay, I know exactly what it is. Cool. So my son, Sid, runs – whenever he doesn't have a diaper on, he runs around and he goes, Nakey baby. 
Snakey baby, because he says naked, snakey. Oh my god, and, so um, cute. And he calls my dad pops, and mm. my dad walked out without. It, Sid does not really talk; he's only two. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad walked out without a shirt on, and my son said, "Naked pops." And oh, it just really made me laugh that he was able to put those two things together. That is so is cute. Is it cheesy to say something that your kid said? No, no. And okay. Sid is like a very special kid. I feel like he's like a, a little man. Like he's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really obsessed with him. Yeah, so, he's so that cute. made me laugh so much. Oh, I love that. Okay, what are the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning lately and the last few things you do before you go to bed at night? Uh, whenever I wake up, I always take a good bm <laughs> i just nice. do like i'm on this like my i'm like so in this good space where and i'm not talking about a bad bm where like you have to i'm bowel movement if people don't mm-hmm. know what that means like you know the, when before i changed my diet i would like sit on the toilet and it would be like a like i would be in there long enough to read like a magazine you know right like a good one is just like you are in and out mm-hmm. i always start my morning with that it feels so it just happens and it's That's like great great it's like start the day so I do that um I wash my hands <laughs> then <laughs> I usually um make Dan and I alternate who makes Sid breakfast but I I usually make him something for breakfast he's really into tahini oatmeal right now Ooh, and I'd be into uh, that too yeah it's really good and then every morning uh, I really do my best to drink some sort of apple cider water concoction in the morning. Cool. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm going to, that's what I try to do. And then at night, I have a really bad habit. I don't really care. I love watching something in bed. And this is like the ultimate no in wellness world to mm-hmm. like fall asleep. I don't really care. I always watch something usually on Netflix before I go to bed. And what have you loved watching this year that you like something, a TV show or movie that you can recommend to people? Well, I really like Jane the Virgin a lot, which I had never seen before. It's and so it's, it was really good. I only watch happy things. So I'm not watching any sort of crazy like horror film or sad, depressing, breaking bad situation. I used to love that stuff and now I can't watch it anymore. So I like Jane the Virgin. I I don't know. I just like happy things. Cool. That's, that's, oh, and that documentary Sour Grapes, which was not that happy, but it was super interesting. I would recommend that documentary too. Cool. Yeah. What else? Any other things you do before bed that you oh, want to share? Um, just I always – thank my husband for being so nice and mm. special and I usually yeah I don't I'm really like minimal when it comes to bedtime like I'm I don't have like a 30 minute face wash routine or anything I kind of just brush my teeth tell Dan how much I love him and then watch something on Netflix that's perfect <laughs> I love it it's amazing so okay you're trapped on a deserted island and you can bring with you one person, one movie, one book, and one food, what would you bring? Okay. Uh, I'd bring Dan. I just would. He's, like, the best. Um, movie. I really don't like watching movies 
two times in a row. I'm not bringing a movie. Okay. Uh, book. That makes sense. I'm the opposite, though. I could watch the same movie, like, a million times. Yeah, I'm sure it has Josh Radner in it, too. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> book. You this might so be well. this might be a weird one because I'm actually not a very religious person, but I have never read the Bible, and I feel like it would have a lot of it would really get through you. Yeah, it has a lot of stories. So, so many bring, people say that to this really? question. So many people say that, and they they always preface it with what you said. I'm not religious, but I bring the Bible. Everybody says yeah, that. It's so funny because I think it would. I because I in in your mind you probably people are probably thinking like, what's the longest book in history? Yeah, so and one that's like that. people really like it. You know, <laughs> yeah. what's this? What's all about the Bible? Why are yeah. people like? Um, and then the food. Well, why don't we go full circle, mashed potatoes and gravy? Done. Perfect. <laughs> what about music? Anything you've been listening to lately uh, or that you want to recommend? Gosh, I really need new music. And if anyone has any recommendations. Oh, I do. I'll is send it, you some good stuff. Okay, please. Yeah, because I really. I'll make I you know a playlist. That, okay, but I'm really specific about music. It oh, no. Can't be, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it can't be sad at all. Like, I don't like, like, all I've listened to is hip hop. Yeah. And that's it. It can't be emotional, sad music, at least for me right now. Yeah. I'm okay, so, I listen so, to a lot of sad music. I kind of felt like you did. <laughs> that's why I was like, maybe don't take the time to make it. Yeah. But if I happen to, like, if I'm listening to anything that I feel like is happy enough that I could send you, I'll send you that. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Yeah, usually I just put on whenever I listen to music, I just put on like whatever the Drake playlist is and then I'll get new rap hip hop things that way. Yeah. That'll do the trick. Yeah. I do that. And also I've been really into this weird, um, it's this guy, hold on. What is his name? Uh, DJ Drez. Mm. It's this yoga DJ guy that like, plays all these sort of like beats i don't know i'll send it to you but he has a couple really good songs that i like to basically i like music with good beats yeah very cool yeah. cool all right well first of all thank you so much this show is now called let it out so is i don't know how there could be because i took so much of your time but this is amazing <laughs> i loved every single minute is there anything that you still want to let out anything that you wish that i would have asked you that you really wanted to talk about did you have fun doing this oh podcast my, yeah <laughs> of course i feel like you should edit half of it but you're no, gonna it roll was amazing. with it i'm gonna roll okay. with it and okay. also choose an emoji so what i have people do is if they listened all the way to the end in my rambling outro that will come after this they tweet at me an emoji that they're still listening so will you pick the emoji <laughs> that they get to to tweet okay. and they'll tweet it at both of us this week so we do you want to choose the emoji my favorite emoji gosh that's such a good question I don't like any of the f- yellow faces. Me neither. Yeah. Um, I've never used one of those. Let's. <laughs> I've got it. Okay. Let's go with the scissors because I feel like this shit should have been edited down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's not going to be edited down because you were amazing and it was great. The scissors. Got it. Cut it. Cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jess. Um, where can people find your cookbook? It'll all be in the show notes and it's all very easy to find, but... I'm just so proud of you, and I'm so excited about 
one part plant and everything that you do and make and I hope you never stop creating but yeah just just for people in your words tell them where they can get their hands on your book sure if you go to you can go to Amazon Barnes and Noble anywhere books are sold one part plant is the name of the book and it's also my website jessicamernan.com cool yay we did it thank Thank you you so so much All right, you guys, there was my conversation with Jessica Mernan. I hope you liked it as much as I did. She said it. Tweet the scissors at her, at me, on Instagram, you know, on Twitter. You can put it wherever you want, but let us know that you got to the end and you're still listening to me rambling right now. Again, thank you for listening, and please check out CW Hemp. Again, I love them. They are fantastic, and I think you guys will really love them too. It's interesting that we talked about periods because CW Hemp helps me on my period so much and they help just bring this sense of calm and relaxation to me in general and it's not the kind of relaxation where you want to sleep or that you're kind of out of it it just gives me more focus and I I love it a lot and I think you will too so give it a try and if you do give it a try make sure you use the code let it out at checkout because that gives you 10% off all the products that you're buying and it lets them know that I sent you and therefore supports the podcast. So thank you so much. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, this week maybe is the week to do it. And maybe share this episode with any friend that you think it would help. If it's someone who has trouble with their periods, this is a great one to maybe share with them. All right, I love you guys. And next week on the podcast, my friend Misty, who's an amazing musician, is coming on. She's toured with Sarah Bareilles and the band Borns. She is an amazing solo musician. You're going to hear some really cool conversation about body image and eating disorders and creativity and writing and music and friendship. And I don't even remember what else we talked about. I do know that it was long. I do know that it was informative. And I do know that I love Misty and she's one of the coolest people I've ever met. We actually met in Hawaii, which is cool. All right, have a great couple days till I talk to you again with a mini episode with the founders of The Good Fest. And then I'll talk to you guys again next week. Join the Facebook group if you miss me in between those times and friend me on all of social media. Love you. Bye.